G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. The story. I heard of a doctor through my friend and went to see the doctor and he yeah, did the termination. And at the time, I decided I was never going to go and revisit that. And my sister, when I told my sister, she said, you're going to regret that one day. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, sometimes we trick ourselves into thinking that something we did won't bother us or that we can simply put it out of our minds and not think about it. That's basically what Sharon McPhee did when, as a young adult, she had an abortion. But, as we'll hear, she had a dream one night that had a huge impact on her life and let her know that her child would have been a baby girl. Sharon is the author of the book Reconcile Me from Abortion's Chains. And today, she'll share the amazing way God has set her free from the shackles of abortion and then went on to bless her in an incredible way. It's a powerful story of God's redeeming love. Sharon McPhee is chatting with Eric Scadabo and family counsellor Zoe Broomhead. Sharon McPhee, welcome to the program. Thank you. Zoe, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. And Zoe, as a family counselor, abortion is an issue that comes up from time to time while you're talking to others. Yeah, it certainly is. And quite often we find that um, people come in for issues other than uh, a termination or abortion. And then as they're telling their story, um, a termination or abortion from the past becomes part of their story. So obviously this is a topic that you're familiar with, and today we're going to hear Sharon's journey, and we're going to find out what it means in the title of her book, What Does It Mean to Be Reconciled from Abortion's Chains? Now, Sharon, let's find out your background. Where were you born and raised? Yes, I was uh, born in Darwin, in the Northern Territory of Australia, and uh, my parents moved around a little bit. My father's uh, Australian, and my mother's from New Zealand. Mm-hmm. And uh, we sort of moved around and e- eventually ending up in um, back to Auckland, New Zealand, uh, where we lived for five years where I was growing up, and then back to Australia again uh, to be with my father's uh, family. And I understand that when you were born, there was an argument going on. There was, yes. I was actually born uh, five weeks premature. Uh, my father and mother were having an argument and um, I decided that was it. I was coming into the world, ready or not. <laughs> Sharon, tell me a little bit about what those early years of life, moving around, and uh, what your recollections of those early years of life were like for you. Uh, well, I later found out that uh, when I was one, that uh, my mother, who had had an unstable upbringing herself, uh, was going to put me in a Salvation Army home because she wasn't coping. Mm. What happened to her life was that she was an only child and her father, whom she was close to and, and adored, um, walked out on her and her mother when she was around the age of 10 or 11. Right. And she was not close at all to her mother and her mother put her in a boarding school 
in in her mid-teen years, um, remarried and, and had another child. So for my mother, uh, she was not coping with a child. And the reason that she did not put me in a Salvation Army home was that she found out she was expecting another baby. It was wow. my sister. So she wasn't coping with one when she found out she was about to have a second that's, child. That's right. Yes, yeah. that's right. So life for you in those early years sounds like it was pretty challenging. It was very challenging and um, I remember as a child growing up that I would constantly think from time to time I'd, I'd, I'd think, why am I here for? What am I doing here? Um, just this strong feeling of, of rejection. Like you didn't quite belong? Yes, like I wasn't kind of meant to be there. I, I think I'm pretty sure that I was conceived on the honeymoon and so they were sort of, it was a whirlwind uh, romance with my father and mother. They'd only been together for six weeks and um, boom, you know, marriage and then a family all at once. So just had this uh, nagging feeling that why was I meant to be here for? So then you were born in Australia then yes. at four years old. Moved to Auckland, New Zealand. That's right. And then you moved back to Australia. And then we moved back to Australia. Uh, the, the reason was uh, my parents didn't get along at all. Um, they were a bit like cat and dog and uh, fighting and, and all of that. And when I was at the age of about seven or eight, uh, my father moved out of home and uh, my mother tried to raise us and then that didn't work. So my father moved back in and my mother moved out. In, in those days, it was five years to uh, be divorced and um, my father contacted his mother who was uh, very ill at the time, uh, suffering from bowel cancer and had had surgery for and she wasn't actually expected to live but he um, said, look, I really need some help and uh, my grandmother flew over to take care of my sister and I for six months because we didn't have our mother around. Okay, and and that's where, as um, we've heard about uh, previously when you've talked with Eric and I, that you had three mothers at that point in time. Yes, I'd had um, my my natural mother. I had my uh, grandmother, um, whom I bonded with and, and mentored my life on. And then at the age of almost 12, my father remarried. And uh, then I had my stepmother raising me uh, during my teen years. And I was the, the good child, the, the goody two-shoes. I was very compliant to try and keep the peace. Um, but inwardly, I, I wasn't exactly feeling that way. And I understand that at 12 years old, you also had a spiritual experience. I had a very powerful experience. Um, my sister and I uh, were part of um, a, a Christian church and they had a youth group on a Friday night and this particular time uh, we'd heard this famous American evangelist was coming to Brisbane and a busload of youth went up to the Gabba and uh, we heard Billy Graham uh, preaching wow. on the Oval and I just felt an immediate strong sense of conviction come over me and ended up, when they called everyone to come out to the Oval, uh, my sister and I ended up with tears streaming down our faces, um, committing our lives to the Lord. For me, that was a wonderful sense of security and comfort and purpose for my life, but because I didn't really have the support of my father and stepmother, 
that it didn't last. It sort of remained with me for 12 months and then um, then I went through the teen years, uh, eventually becoming quite rebellious as life sort of caught up with me mm. and drinking and partying and um, was introduced to marijuana and um, boys and, yeah, my whole world was out of control, basically. Yeah. And, mm. and what happened from there? Well, from there, uh, I, I had a boyfriend at the age of 18. I was seeking love in all the wrong places uh, because I was desperately in need of, of feeling loved. And I ended up um, falling pregnant to this boyfriend. And at the time, I was thinking, well, this surely can't happen to me. Mm. And uh, I had mentioned it to a girlfriend and she said, look, um, you better go and have a test. And I, I, I was in shock. I'm like, no, it can't possibly be. And went to a hospital on holidays and had the test done and found out that it was positive. And I was absolutely horrified and mortified mm. because uh, the reason was because my life had been a shambles of, um, by this stage, my stepmother had two children to my father and it was a blended family. I was feeling um, I didn't want to have sort of one child to one father, another child to another. I, could, I just could not stand to put a child through what I'd been through. And also there was a, um, a selfish reason that I didn't want to go ahead uh, with the pregnancy and, and that was because I thought my whole future's ahead of me and yeah. I want to go travelling and, um, yeah, about me basically. And if your story and, and your experience is anything like many of the stories that I have heard before, you felt more desperate than you had at any other point in your life. I felt completely alone. Yeah. And because of these strong feelings of rejection over my life, I, I, I probably prominently was to tell my father what had happened mm -hmm. and that he would reject me. Yeah. And, and the Basically. fear of that rejection was just the fear too great. of that rejection. Yeah, yeah. And um, I heard of a doctor um, through my friend and went to see the doctor, and he yeah, did the termination. And at the time, I decided I was never going to go and revisit that. Mm -hmm. And my sister, when I told my sister, she said, you're going to regret that one day. And I was absolutely adamant that there'd be no way I would regret that decision that I had made. Yeah. And I was very hard in my heart at the time. Yeah. And, um, and so I just put the whole episode in the past. I put it in a room. I locked it. I bolted it with a key and I shut the door and I just decided that had never happened even. You're listening to The Story. Today, Eric Scadabo and family counsellor Zoe Broomhead are chatting with Sharon McPhee, author of the book Reconcile Me from Abortion's Chains. Next, we'll find out the amazing way God did reconcile her from abortion's chains. That and more when we return. The Story. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 888. 
Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax, and this is The Story. We're continuing with Eric Scatterbo and family counsellor Zoe Broomhead chatting with Sharon McPhee. Sharon's the author of the book Reconcile Me from Abortion's Chains. Before the break, we heard how, sadly, Sharon had an abortion, and she decided that she would lock this away and never think about it again. However, she then had a dream that would have a huge impact on her life. I did have a dream at the time, and the dream was uh, that I could see this little girl on the veranda, and I believe that the child was a little girl. Mm. Tell us about that. Uh, I think she was just sitting on a little chair on the veranda, what would have been her father's place, and and that was um, basically it at the time, but I really didn't want to dwell on that because no. it was just something I didn't want to look at. Yeah. And so once you had that dream, you just went back to locking it all away and trying to move on with life and just pushing on. Absolutely. Yeah. And yes. that's what you were able to do at that point in time. At that point in time, yes. Yeah. Okay. So from there on, what was the next chapter? What happened next? Well, the next chapter was, uh, I think I started to become a little bit more mature um, in my late teens and I, I did the travelling that I had wanted to do and in the process of travelling, I met uh, my husband and because I had come from such an unstable background, I was drawn to my husband because he'd come from a very stable, rock-solid background. Mm-hmm. You know, just one mother, one father, one house he'd lived in, whereas I'd be, I'd moved around a lot, lived in many different places. And so, yes, we um, met and we uh, got married mm-hmm. and we had our own family. And went on to have three sons uh, in just under five years. Were you a busy lady? I was busy. Yes, I was busy. <laughs> and the youngest son, uh, after he was born, I had a little bit of postnatal depression. Mm-hmm. And when he was a couple of months old, I said to my husband, look, I want you to go ahead and have a vasectomy. Mm-hmm. And uh, because I just don't think I can go through this again. And he went ahead and, and did what I'd asked him to do, even though my heart of hearts, I knew that that wasn't right. Yeah. I just thought, nope, I can't go ahead with this. And so he went ahead and my sister and I are very close. Mm-hmm. Um, she's two years younger than me. Mm. And um, she'd met her husband and they'd started having a family and had four sons in rapid succession. And between the uh, two of us, we had seven sons. Wow. A lot uh, of little boys. <laughs> a lot of little boys. <laughs> <laughs> and at this time in my life, uh, by this stage, I had, because I was now feeling settled and secure, I had an awareness of God uh, being there in my life and was reawakened to God's love for me uh, in spite of everything that had happened, that he loved me and I fully committed my life as a young adult and uh, moved on with God. But because I was now a Christian, I said to my sister that uh, I would pray for her to have a daughter And so she fell pregnant and she said, Sharon, I want you to be at the delivery of the baby, which I hadn't been with any of the others. Mm. And uh, it came time for her to give birth and and she rang and they rang me and said, come to the hospital and and be part of her support team as she gave delivery. And 
then I was absolutely ecstatic because as she delivered the baby, it was, it was called out. It's a girl. And, uh, we were all thrilled to bits as our, my niece, Danica was born. And, uh, after seven boys, the drought was broken <laughs> and we finally had a little girl in the family. And a couple of weeks later, I went to, to visit her and she was saying to me, Oh, Sharon, it's just so wonderful to have a little girl and, and oh, it's just just so marvellous. And, and I just looked at her blankly and I'm like, well, I have no idea what that's like. I don't know what that means mm. because we both had this relationship with our mother, which was unusual and not your normal mother-daughter relationship. It was a real need from our hearts to to know what it was like to have a God-given mother-daughter relationship. Mm. That is very interesting. I'm just curious, Zoe, why do you think there's such a need? Uh, well, it's interesting as I've worked with numbers of women and different women will have different experiences. Mm, yeah. But I've certainly heard this before that when, um, uh, and I go back to when I fostered children, um, when there hasn't been a, a good or a strong or a healthy relationship with a mother there for some, and certainly not for all, and mm. we, we mentioned everybody's story is different, that certainly for some women that I've worked with, when there hasn't been that strong bond there, there is a, an incredibly strong bond or desire to have a healthy mother-daughter relationship mm. somewhere in their life. Like there's a mm. void that that will There is fill. a void that, mm. that, that you are seeking to fill, and I think that's what you're talking about, Sharon. Mm, that's interesting. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So you have this deep desire. Now your sister, she gets the daughter, but then how are you feeling? Yes. So uh, I was sitting in bed on the Saturday morning and I had my Bible open. I'd been reading the Word and and I was reflecting over how God had been so good and gracious and answering my prayers, all of our prayers. And as I was thinking about it, I was thinking how happy I was for her, but then all of a sudden I felt really sad for myself and mm. started to cry and feeling sorry for myself. And when I heard the audible voice of God over my left ear say, what are you crying for? You're going to have a daughter too. Wow, that sounds and, like something right out of the Bible. <laughs> uh, it was it was extraordinary. Mm. It was absolutely extraordinary. And I just stopped crying. I got up out of bed. I stopped grieving for not having my own daughter. And because now I believed that it was possible, even though it seemed impossible, it was now possible to have the desire of my heart. And I went out into the kitchen and I went to see my husband and told him what had just happened and he believed me and we began our journey of faith in seeing how God would bring that to pass and unfold uh, the promise that he had promised us. And is your husband a Christian? My husband's a Christian, yes, yes. Praise God. Through much... <laughs> Through much um, harassing in the early days by me, being a little bit uh, strong on him. <laughs> but uh, no, he's, he's great. He's on fire for God. Fantastic. And yes. so then over a period of time, tell us what happened. Yeah, because it wasn't going to be physically possible. It wasn't, yeah, at the, at the time it just seemed, wow, how can that be? Because my husband's had a vasectomy. Right, right. And it's literally impossible physically. And uh, so I was talking to my local uh, friendly family doctor that I knew and explaining the situation to him. And he said, look, I'll give you the names and phone numbers of a couple of urologists I went to med school with. 
And so we went and saw the first urologist and he went through a whole series of questions. So nothing really happened. So we're like, okay, we, we didn't have the finances to be able to do anything about it at the time. And um, my husband said, oh, do you think we should give it a miss? Because by this stage, our youngest son had gone to primary school and we didn't have any more children at home during the day because they were all at school. Mm. And um, I'm, look, I'm like, no, we'll go and see the second urologist. And if that doesn't work, that's fine. That's fine by me. I'm, I'm, I'm content. I'm fine with everything. And uh, so we w- went to the uh, Monash Medical Centre in Clayton and we saw the urologist there and we went through the same series of questions and then the urologist said to my husband and I that uh, every year that goes past you lose 10% virility for good you can't Mm. get that back Mm. and by that stage it had been close to six years but um, he said look it is possible I can do something he said just leave it with me and we'll see what I can do so then eight months went past and I'm getting older And uh, I was reading a book at the time and it had in the back of the book the 12 steps to Alcoholics Anonymous and the third one was more or less to ask what your higher power's will is for your life, Mm -hmm. which I prayed that particular morning. And four o'clock that same day, I got a phone call from uh, the Monash Medical Centre to say, look, if you bring your husband in to the urology outpatients this Friday, he will have a reversal done in a month's time in a private hospital and it won't cost anything. Wow. So that was very clear that God had his hand on everything and uh, was very exciting to know what God was doing behind the scenes. What I hear within that story was you became active and intentional in your faith journey. Yes, yes, absolutely, yes. And that certainly encouraged us and inspired us to keep believing and Mm. keep having the faith to believe uh, what God had promised Mm. he would bring to pass. Mm. Mm. So, uh, so my husband had the reversal done and, uh, two and a half hours of microsurgery and he was in the hospital for two nights and month after month went past, nothing was happening. Then I fasted and prayed, uh, for a day for a happy, healthy baby daughter. And two days later, we conceived the baby that had been promised to us. And our daughter, Janessa Hannah McPhee, was born uh, nine months later to the glory of God. So, yeah, Mm. it was so thrilling. We were so ecstatic, so excited. And when we brought her home from hospital, my sister and her husband and myself and my husband held up this miracle baby daughter who would never have been existing if I hadn't heard God's audible voice, if God hadn't spoken to me. And we said, Lord, we pray that she might have a sister just as my sister oh, and I had greedy. that close bond. <laughs> yeah. oh, yes, I thought I'm going to keep on going and believe for more now. More <laughs> so, uh, and then nine months, when she was nine months old, I had a dream. And I dreamt that I had a baby girl and that a few days later I had another baby girl and all I could see were these long legs growing and sure enough, very shortly after that dream, I found out I was expecting another baby Mm. and nine months later again than that, our second daughter, Kaylee Elizabeth, was born. Wow. And she's got these long legs. That's beautiful. (laughs) 
But it seems to me that God wasn't done with you yet. There was still some more healing work for you to do. There was some more healing work for me, which even though everything had been buried and suppressed in me, uh, God very graciously brought up to the surface. I went to a church and they were running a restoration program Mm -hmm. and a beautiful elderly Christian couple were running the course and it was four Mondays um, consecutively at the church and on the fourth Monday, the last day of the course, they taught on grief and grace and I'd never really heard any teaching on grief or grace at that point in time and as they were speaking and ministering to the people there at the church I could just feel something was bubbling up in me and I had no idea what was going on I could just feel something just bubbling 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 and uh, we had our breakup lunch uh, that day and I went home and I could still feel something bubbling up in me and I uh, and I just thought I've just got to go back to the church mm. uh, to see if they're still there to find out what's going on. And I went back to the church and the moment I stepped into the church, it was like this dam that had been shut up and blocked off was suddenly released and a flood of pent-up grief just came gushing out. And I cried for probably half an hour as I mourned the loss of the baby and the decision that I had made way back in the past. And the uh, I thought I'd forgiven myself, but I actually hadn't really forgiven myself. And at that moment, I then forgave myself because I fully received God's forgiveness for me for the choice and the decision I'd made in my past. That self-forgiveness was a long time coming. It was a long time, 25 years, and just to experience the relief and the release of God's forgiveness uh, was, um, words can't describe what God did. Yeah. Not only uh, did he restore a daughter, but he restored double for what had been taken. Yeah. Thank you so much, Sharon, for sharing your story with us today. You're welcome. Pleasure. That was Eric Scadabo and family counsellor Zoe Broomhead chatting with Sharon McPhee. Sharon's the author of the book Reconcile Me from Abortion's Chains, available through local Christian bookstores. And what a powerful story of God's redeeming love breaking through in the life of Sharon and sharing her with incredible blessings. A perfect example of God's amazing grace. As the Bible says, in Jesus we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Also, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Good news for all of us. Well, thanks for joining us for Sharon's inspiring story today. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. People will tell you things that they've never told anyone before. They're in a vulnerable position because of their health. And uh, we walk in as the chaplain and uh, they start telling you things, you know. I remember one instance where a man said he'd hurt himself and he felt, I was, what's the use in doing anything, you know, and if I can't do anything like I used to. I said, well, God can always give you something to do. And went in the next day and he was able to lift his arm up. Graham Rulon has been led by the Lord to serve in a variety of ways with a variety of ministries over the years. He's always had a servant's heart 
and has made himself available to do whatever was needed, even when it wasn't always convenient for him. We'll hear Graham's adventures in ministry next time. The story. story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life. This program is a production of Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, see vision.org.au.